Would you begin reading with me in Romans chapter 15, and we'll begin verse 20. The Apostle Paul here is writing to Rome, the Christians in Rome, and the book of Romans is such a tremendous book. But let's pick up verse 20. Yea, so I have strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. What Paul was saying simply was, I have strived, I have tried my very best to take the gospel to the places and to the people where Christ has never been heard. Now, the other day, we looked at the world's population map. India and China, together, in next two years, they're together going to reach over three billion people. Three billion people. And when I went to India just a couple of weeks ago, and I've been there so many times, and I, my heart broke again. I began to cry as I drove down the roads and, 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 and headed into Agra and began looking at the people. They are just everywhere. I mean, there is people everywhere. It's almost like, you know, I told a pastor in Nash County the other day when I was there preaching, and they were complaining about nets. And he said, brother, this is not a Nash County. This is Nets County, you know. And I said, yeah, I agree, brother. They're everywhere, you know. And that's how I feel. People are everywhere. I don't care where you look. I don't care what time of the day. If it is three in the morning, there's somebody somewhere out on the road. Anywhere, there's people. And you know what my first question would be? wonder if they heard of Jesus. I, I know my heart breaks, your heart breaks when I look at the poverty and look at the hopelessness. But then my heart goes even deeper and begins to cry. wonder if they really have ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or wonder if they will ever get a chance to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's even a sobering question. Wonder if they will ever get a chance because there are pockets and people groups all over planet Earth today where name of Christ has never been mentioned. Can you imagine that? I know we can't fathom that. That thought is foreign to us when we hear it so often. We have it so ex- easily accessible to us. We can hear of Christ in hundreds and thousands of ways. Can you imagine living in a land where you'll never, ever, ever get to hear one time about Jesus? It's hard, isn't it? Paul says, I want to do my very best to make my effort to take the gospel to where people have never, ever heard. And his whole goal in mind here, writing to Rome, was he's headed to Spain, taking the gospel further out west. Let's go to verse 21. But as it is written, to whom he, to, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But now having no more place in these parts, in other words, wherever he's ministering, he said, I've done my very best to make Christ known, and there's not a place that I can go. And having a great desire this many years to come to you, I want to come to Rome to visit with you. And he says, and on the way to going to Spain, I want to stop in and visit these believers in Rome. Verse 24, whosoever I take my, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey, and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, 
if first I be somewhat filled with your company. I want you to underscore, underline, or at least make a note of that little statement when Paul says, and to be brought on my way, thitherwards by you. And we'll make an emphasis of that in a few minutes. Verse 25. But now I go to unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints there. For it has pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It had pleased them verily, and their, their, their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual thing, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. Wow. When therefore I have performed this, and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you in Spain. And I'm sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. That I may be delivered from that they do not believe in Judea. And that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. That I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may be with you, uh, be refreshed. Uh, may be with you, be refreshed. Now the God of peace uh, be with you all. Amen. Uh, Paul is headed to Spain. He said, now I'm going to do my very best to get to Spain, take the gospel to the further regions. And on my way to Spain, I'm going to stop in at Rome. And I know as we read on the surface, we say, what is so significant about him stopping in in Rome? Well, there are a couple issues here. One is, uh, if you look at the New Testament, whenever missionary left their churches, they always, for example, Corinthians Church, uh, Ephesians Church, uh, uh, Philippi Church, all of them, whenever the missionaries came or went from them, they partnered with them. They assisted. It was a custom of the New Testament early church to partner with these men and women who are trying to take the gospel uh, to regions beyond, to take the gospel further than it has ever gone in their day and time. And they felt obligated that they can't go, but if these are the men and women God is raising up, they're going to line up with them and join with them. And sometimes some of the people join them. That's pretty good, isn't it? Uh, when the missionary comes and, 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 and says, I'm headed to Spain, some of these churches will say, well, hey, here's, here's some men or women who, who would like to assist you in this journey. So we're going to give you manpower. That's awesome. When we talk about in a modern day mission, we talk about team efforts. When a missionary goes, they go as a team. And not only God raises up this man or woman or husband or wife and a family, but God also raises up other groups of men and women who will assist them in this work. As we look at Paul and Barnabas, always had a company of men and women who assisted them in the work. They came from different churches. And to me, I thought that's very powerful. And we try to do the same thing today uh, to uh, enable uh, a prospective missionary. If we have someone, God lays on their heart, hey, I think I can go and assist them as they go to different parts to serve the Lord and help them in this work of God. So Paul is asking them, going back to verse 25, please. I'm sorry, verse 24. 
Notice what, and to be brought on my way thitherward by you. In other words, Paul, what Paul is saying, as I come to Rome, I not only want to see you, <laughs> I not only want to fellowship with you, I not only want to be refreshed by your vitality as Christians in Rome, uh, that you have love for Jesus and there is a local church in Rome, and I want, I want to come and see what God is doing in and through you. And I'm going to be encouraged by that. I know that. He said, but secondly, he said, what I want to do is uh, even more important. I want you to partner with me as I take the gospel to Spain. Now, that is, that is the burden uh, that he's laying on the Roman Christians. He said, I, I want you to, I want you to uh, bring me about or help me through, assist me in this, in this endeavor of taking the gospel. Because it's not a one-man job. You know that and I know that. Uh, it's a collective body of believers. Not all are called to go to regions beyond. Uh, not all are called to leave Goldsboro and go to uh, Chicago land or some other parts of the world. But all of us are called to assist those who are called to go. Amen. There's no way any Christian can say, you know, brother, I don't see any, 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 any connection here at all. The connection is Jesus Christ, number one. Number two, connection is we want people to know Jesus Christ. And number three, we want to have, have, a, have a part in this ministry of assisting those whom God has raised up to take the gospel to the regions beyond. Why? Because collectively, we can do a whole lot more than uh, individuals who try to strive to do it on their own. So Paul is saying, I'm, I'm asking you, Roman church, I'm asking you, I want to come and fellowship with you. Now, don't we love that, don't we? I mean, I, I, love, I love fellowshipping. I mean, uh, to me, there's nothing like it, especially the food is involved, right? And, and if food is involved, it really makes it even better, uh, fellowshipping. Uh, but, but the point is, in a Christian life, isn't Christian fellowship very important? Doesn't it encourage you? Just, just tonight, as you look around, you know what? A preacher has said it too before. It blesses my soul. I am encouraged by you. That you love Jesus and you want to be in a prayer meeting. You want to be here and collectively make a difference for Jesus Christ. It blesses my soul. But then, we always you know the old commercial was, put your money where your mouth is. Paul says, not only I want to fellowship with you, I want to be encouraged by you. I want to be inspired by your love for Jesus. But I also need your assistant. Now, most missionaries, you know and I know, they're not going to get up here and, and you know, uh, hey, we need $10,000. I, I don't know any missionary that has come and said that. Uh, we need $50,000. Here, here's what, what all the missionaries say. Hey, would you, would you, just like Paul is saying, pray for me? Would you pray for us? Would you pray for us? Because here's how it works. Here's what I have seen in 30 years of doing missionary works. When, when, when somebody prays, you know what you can count on? You can count on their support. It just goes hand in hand. Because if I feel strongly enough about somebody that God has brought into our church, and I feel strongly impressed that I'm going to pray for them, you know what? It doesn't take long before I said, hey, here you go, my friend. I believe that's, this is what, one of the things Jesus was saying. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. 
This is one of the ways we can do that. So Paul was asking to do that. And, and notice at the end of the uh, end of that chapter, Paul said, Please for, pray for me because there is opposition yeah, from the folks in Judea. This is Jews who are not converted. They were opposing Paul from making any effort moving forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if it was true in Paul's day and time, do you realize how hostile the world is today towards the gospel of Jesus Christ? We just saw the picture. Of a, of a family who has risked everything. He has, they have taken literally, I don't count myself of any value. I'm willing to die with Christ. I have died. I have crucified myself. I'm willing to go, even if it means it will cost me my life. Now here's what I want to ask you tonight. If a man and woman is willing to say, I'm willing to seal my calling with my blood. I can't imagine me saying to him or her, good luck, my friend. Adios, amigos. Godspeed. I'm glad it's you, not me. I heard some of those statements. And to me, I don't think any missionary, I don't think Paul would have appreciated those kind of comments uh, from the Roman church. I think it would be obvious if he's willing to say, look, my life is at stake for taking the gospel any further. I already know the opposition that is going to come from this group. They are already waiting. They are just looking for an opportunity how to stop me. Would you pray that the gospel have a free course and, and that I can be successful in taking the gospel to Spain? My, my, my commitment is this. If a man, a woman is willing to risk their own life to go into the areas where they know they could be killed for the gospel's sake, I have every obligation to join them and partner with them and support them with everything possibly I can. Because you see, it's not costing me my life. So the sacrifice has got to be equal. You know, we always say, it's not equal giving. God is not worried about equal giving. He's always interested. God is always interested. Equal sacrifice. Because all of us can. And I think Paul was asking the Roman Christians, hey, look, I'm fixing to head into some dangerous territory. I don't know how far this is going to go. I already know the opposition is right there at the doorstep. They're just chomping at the bitch how to stop this Paul from presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, would you pray? And you know if the people are going to pray, they're going to stand with him and support him. So here's one I want to close uh, really quickly. Uh, how can we, how can we uh, do this as uh, sending, uh, serving as senders? Uh, wh- what are some of the elements? Let me just give you three very quickly. Number one, we must be willing to make f- sacrifices. Uh, financial sacrifice, whatever sacrifice we have to make in order uh, to help take the gospel Further, it, it has to be. There, and I asked the college. I was preaching in college chapel, and I asked the students, "What, what, what can we do to promote sacrifice?" There's nothing anyone can say or do. 
It has to come from within. For knowing what has been sacrificed for my redemption, anything I do is just a blessing, an honor, an obligation, a responsibility. When Christ gave his all, surely he's not asking me to give my all. He's asking me to just join along in the work of God. So financial sacrifice, whatever sacrifice we have to make, uh, we must be willing to make in order to be uh, serving as senders. Number two, uh, there is an important principle here also. We must be willing to send our very best. And what I mean by that is, in the book of Acts in the church in Antioch, remember whom the Holy Spirit set aside to send forth? It was Paul and Barnabas. What were they doing? They were actively involved in the ministry. They were teachers. They were men of caliber. They were men of capacity. They were men of influence. And this Antioch church wanted to keep them. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would have said, excuse me, Paul Barnabas, uh, Holy Spirit got the wrong number. It's them dudes over there in the back row somewhere, uh, but not you two guys. I mean, they are the best. Can you imagine a church losing two of their best men? But we're not losing. We're saying the best of the best. I mean, you know that and I know that. And we are, we're, I'm proud. I really am. I'm proud that we have privilege to be partnering with people like the way we do. Not only those whom God has raised up from our own church, but others God who God has sent to us and we have partnered with him. And we go through a, a, a lot of process before we present a candidate before the church. Uh, to rally with them. We want to make sure uh, these people are proven and tested and, 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 and been, been uh, given authority by their local church uh, to do the work of God and then we as other local church join them. And last thing I want to say is we must be willing to earnestly, faithfully pray for them. See, it's, it's too easy to lose interest in our supported missionaries who haven't been around for a while. After all, they're so much closer, they're so much closer to home, especially in times of financial distresses, demands our attention and prioritization. May God help us always to pray. I think if we endeavor to do work of God without bathing it in prayer, we are, we are stepping on the territory I call presumptuous. We're presuming that God will help. We must bathe everything in prayer. Our missionaries, their children, whatever the country they're in, that God will empower them, God will protect them, God will give them wisdom beyond their own days to be effective in taking the gospel to these people. Uh, and uh, we must. That, that, uh, William Carey, the father of modern vision, when he went to India, one of the things he told the guys in England when he left, he had a band of men, and uh, he told them, he, he made them take a vow before him. He said, I want you to take a vow before me, and, and here's the vow. You're going to have to promise me till the day you die or I die on the field, you will not stop to pray for me. It's pretty good, huh? He said, uh, if you don't, I'm not going. 
That's a pretty good point. I think the missionaries understand it. We understand it. We can't be uh, presumptuous about the work that God has called us all to do. So I know you have lists and cards and names. If you have forgotten some, uh, come see me. I'll, get, I'll give you all the names and uh, people, places you need, and, and, and let you pray, especially for all our uh, missionaries here. I hope, I hope that helps you uh, as, uh, as people, as a body of believers, as we are involved in serving as senders.